Well, let's uh, start with the gospel uh, for tonight. Uh, in fact, let's uh, go back a week and start with the gospel for last week. Jesus goes back to Nazareth and he goes to the synagogue. And in the synagogue, he's handed a scroll, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And it begins, the spirit of the Lord was upon me to preach good news to the poor, release to the captives, healing for the sick, the setting free of the oppressed. And after Jesus finished reading, he gave the scroll back to the attendant and sat down. And then he said, these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. My understanding of this, these words of mission, these words of mission that come out of the tradition, the Jewish tradition that Jesus was part of. And what Jesus was saying is I own this mission. I'm taking this mission on. Which also means that because Jesus took it on, it's our mission too. Mission is so important. And then after he finished, they all spoke well of him. Well, mission's everybody's business. But then uh, the conversation with the people in the synagogue became more complicated. They'd heard the stories of Jesus healing in other places and he hadn't done any healings with them and they wondered about that. And then Jesus began to talk about the implications of this mission that he was describing in those words from Isaiah. That one of the directions for mission through the prophet Elijah was to bring relief to the widow in Zarephath when lots of people in Israel who were also hungry and suffering from famine and drought, nothing happened for them. So God's spirit worked over here, but he didn't work with the people within the tradition that the people in the synagogue represented. And then Naaman the Syrian was healed of his leprosy. And the question was, why didn't he heal you know, us good folks who are being faithful in our worship of God within our own tradition? And Jesus was proclaiming that the manifestation of the Spirit and the mission of the church was in those things that were out here or out on the periphery of, of life. And it wasn't just to a narrower understanding you know, of that mission. So they became enraged and they took Jesus to the brow of the hill upon which the town was built and they were going to throw him off. Boy, the story sure would have been different if they'd done that. And Jesus just walked right through him. He left town. And there's no indication that he ever really got back. But mission, and it's the surprising nature of it, where it takes us. <clears throat> Who gets healed? Who gets relief from famine? 
That's one of the things. And Jesus and his witness, his example, is saying that it's huge. It's the love and mercy of God for all humanity. Well, the people in the synagogue where Jesus grew up were certainly disappointed. And they get a bad rap for that because obviously in terms of the Christian story, you know, we go forward hopefully in the direction that Jesus is pointing us. But as I've been reflecting on this uh, passage this week, I think it's a whole lot more complicated than that. Um, the people in the temple, they had their own needs. Jesus was part of their tribe. Um, they were looking for relief too. And one of the things about, it occurred to me that so much of Christianity is tribal anyway. And thinking about my own back, here I am, I'm an Episcopal priest. And here we are in an ecumenical you know, setting. And the strength of the setting is its focus on mission because we don't get off into some of the particularities of denominational worship and thought. But one of the most important things in my tradition <clears throat> is the affirmation as an Episcopalian of the Apostles and Nicene Creeds. The Apostles and Nicene Creeds. We never use those creeds uh, around here. And they're important instruments of faith and part of our tradition and, and something that, as an Episcopal priest, I need to embrace if I'm going to be part of my tribe. And they're helpful. They're helpful in lots of ways because they define a very, very big God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the two natures of Jesus, that Jesus is fully God and fully man, whatever that may mean in the mystery of it, but the fullness of it. And the, the Apostles' Creed began, its origins are in the late first century after Jesus had died, and it was a baptismal formulary. People coming to the faith. Well, what do you believe, Christian people? And talked about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the natures of Jesus. And then at another juncture, 325, when Constantine was taking the Christian church public, claiming it as his own, making it the religion of the empire, that was in the period when the Nicene Creed was formulated and it was used pretty much in every communion service that was celebrated in that time. And it was an expansion of the Apostles' Creed. Jesus is fully God and fully man. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's part of my tribe. But that creed doesn't say anything about the love of God or the compassion of God. It doesn't say anything. It's a definition of God. It doesn't say anything about mission. So it has its limitations too. But I need to embrace it. I mean, it's part of who I am. I mean, I, and you know, you can get off on things like uh, the virgin birth. I don't agree with that or something like that. But the thing that's important, most important to me in, in my tradition is it anchors me. It anchors me in the tradition that I'm not just wrestling with scripture and life in the church today, that I'm anchored in something that goes back. And it's emerged over time. And a lot of people have thought about it and prayed about it and tried to understand it. So it's the historical connection that's important to me. 
A second one for me as an Episcopalian, my tribe, is I'm under the authority of the bishop. Bishops are really important in the Episcopal Church. Now, they don't have the extreme, extreme full authority of the Roman Catholic bishops. And one expression of the full authority of a Roman Catholic bishop is the title to the property in a Roman Catholic diocese is in the name of the bishop. The bishop owns it. Not personally, he owns it as the church, but it's in his name. So nobody can tell him what to do. With it. If he doesn't agree, it doesn't happen. That's power, that's authority. Well, our Anglic, the Anglican understanding of it, the Episcopal understanding of it is much more decentralized. Authority isn't just in one bishop, it's, but it's, it, it's bishops working together. And the, uh, the, the titular head of the Anglican Church or the Episcopal Church in, in the United States is the Archbishop of Canterbury. So we've come out of England and there are 39 provinces around the world and we're all connected through the Archbishop of Canterbury. But one of the things that I do every year, and there's an expectation that I do this every year, on Maundy Thursday, on Maundy Thursday, the bishops in our diocese, and it's the bishop in this diocese that I um, am responsible to, there's a service where the clergy of the diocese renew their ordination vows. And it's a very important thing to me to do that because I'm a person under authority. That my power or my office as a priest of the church derives you know, from the power and authority of the bishop. Now, if the bishop were to tell me, well, you can't go to Richmond Hill anymore, um, that's not the place I want you to be. I don't know what I'd do. But that's the kind of thing I'd have to wrestle seriously. I mean, whatever, whatever the bishop, you know, wants, wants me to do. Now, generally speaking, they're pretty even-handed and open to, to new things. But that's part of my tribe. And that's, that's kind of what I bring. But the, but the, and the point is, the point is, okay, I'm an Episcopal priest, but all the different traditions that make up Richmond Hill, the people who come here from all kinds of different places for all sorts of different reasons, they all have a story. They have a tradition. You could be a Presbyterian, come out confessions of faith. You could be a Methodist and have a certain kind of spiritual stance about, uh, about life. And the point, is, the point is that those traditions have all nurtured you and, and, and brought you along. And they're important. And they're important. So it's not really surprising in, in a real sense because we're all tribal to have the people in Nazareth get upset you know, with, with Jesus in, the, in terms of their expectations. And who knows what, even the subconscious things, because of the particular tradition I come out of, what my attitudes are, you know, about different things. I mean, it's some of it, you know, live and worship, I'm not, not all of it's conscious. Not all of it's conscious. But the thing, the thing is, within denominational life, you can get off in, in one sense, um, and I guess what I would say takes you away from the mission of the church. It has to do with tribal particularity. And you get so focused on that, you lose your sense of perspective. And that's one of the great things about this place and what's so important about the mission you know, of Richmond. We're focused on mission. We're not focused on the things that separate us and divide us. In fact, one of the reasons we worship on Tuesday night, this is our Sabbath service on Tuesday night, 
We don't want to conflict with churches on Sunday. We're not, we're not competing. You can't be a member here. You're not a church member. You don't have to, you don't have to be, say the, you just don't. This is different. <laughs> this is different. But my, my point about it is that, is that it's the mission, the mission that's important. The healing of our city is crucial. And it goes way beyond what individual Christian people can do, way beyond what denominations can do. We need to be about that and keep our focus there. And of course at Richmond Hill, it's about prayer, it's about hospitality, it's about racial reconciliation and spiritual growth. But it's the mission that Jesus called us to, that Jesus owned. A mission that emerged out of his tradition and that he's passed on to it. I find it strangely reassuring that Jesus didn't invent it. It was there before it, and he claimed it. He owned it. It's fulfilled today in your hearing. This is my mission, which means it's our mission. Now, this is an important time in the life of Richmond Hill because there are lots of changes coming. Janie's going to be leaving in May, and we're looking for a new person to come partner with Joel to go forward together in the mission. And it's going to be a big change because Janie knows where all the bodies are buried. As all the connections with, with lots of things in the, in the past. So it's going to be a, be a new day. But it's trusting the sense of mission going forward. The other thing about it is, is, is the generational change. I mean, Ben Campbell and I are the same age. In fact, he just, I mean, he just celebrated Groundhog Day. Uh, it would have been the 2nd of February. He, he turned, uh, Ben turned 78, 78 years young. Um, and I'm coming up on it soon. So age-wise, this mission needs to be passed down. But the point is, it's not just a question of age. It's for the next period of time. Who's going to be involved? And, and how can we serve the city? Because things are always changing. Life is changing. The call is changing. The programs that have sustained us in the past, they've been good and important things, but they have a shelf life or the spirit doesn't empower them and maybe in the same way and is calling us to new things. So it's paying attention. We come to places like this in worship to try to discern what it is that the spirit's calling us to do. Where's the mission taking us? Individually, collectively. So we're in the season of Epiphany. These lessons are lessons for the fourth Sunday in the Epiphany season. Epiphany is about revelation, seeing God's hand at work in, in the world about us. It's also, it's about the early, the early disciples being called by Jesus, the beginnings of the ministry. And obviously the synagogue uh, visit from Jesus was, was an early part of his ministry. And so it moves forward from this point into new places, new things. So what is God calling us, you and me, individually and collectively, to be about mission in this day and time? And how will God's spirit empower the mission of Richmond Hill going forward? I'm trusting that God's going to show us the way. Thanks be to God.